All right, guys, welcome. Happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of FinTech Fridays. I am really excited to uh, to have Jeff Keltner on from Upstart. So we've, we normally, uh, I shouldn't say normally, because this is not going to be an abnormal podcast. So <laughs> we a lot of times have folks on from inside the mortgage industry specifically. And I, I've been following Jeff on LinkedIn and just uh, really a fan of the content and I thought, what a great way to learn about Upstart and kind of what you all are doing by having you join my podcast. So thanks for joining. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Brian. So I, I don't know that uh, you know the protocol, but I warned you ahead of time. <laughs> I like to open these episodes by asking my guest to share what the term fintech means to you in the context of your business or even consumer life. Okay, we'll say employment to start with. It's my employment, but I like that. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a strange term. I feel like it means different things to different people and has undergone a number of evolutions. I think there are versions of fintech that are really, you know, bankers who hired slightly better developers that want to make something that looks a little less, you know, old school than much banking software. Um, but I really think of uh, a lot of the newer fintechs, and I put Upstart in that category, obviously, as really bringing the ethos and the modern technology capabilities and saying, how do we really rethink um, old industries, in this case, um, the finance industry. So, but I think that takes a lot of flavors, uh, whether it's yeah. people who look like banks, who are direct lenders, people who are, you know, being more traditional technology partners to lending institutions the way Upstart does. It's a pretty broad, broad range. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, for me, I've been, you know, in this, I'll say, fintech space uh, for about mm -hmm. two and a half years. And it's a... I came out of mortgage, right? I came out of the, the mortgage industry and I'm now amazed at how many mortgage lenders call themselves FinTech when <laughs> to, they're, they're not doing anything different today than they were doing 10 years ago, but. Yeah, I mean, and, and we, we come up from the opposite side. I came to, to Upstart from Google uh, along with a lot of our founding team. So we're really tech people who came into finance. And I, I do think I, I've heard it called tech fin or FinTech and like whether you're you know, really at the core, a technology company that happens to be applying technology to financial services, or whether you're really a financial services company that's trying to have slightly better technology. And there are just different DNAs, different leadership teams, different approaches to development. And I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of both, but they're very different animals in the end. Love it. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Well, let's let's uh, let's dig in. Sure. Let's start by uh, helping our our uh, audience here understand. Who is Upstart and what do you guys do? Yeah, so we're not a, a mortgage or real estate related company, so I will start with that. So Upstart's a you know AI powered digital lending platform, uh, and that's a mouthful of buzzwords. Um, but at the core, we provide a set of technologies to banks and credit unions uh, to allow them to offer a kind of seamless origination process and more sophisticated underwriting capability for today personal unsecured loans and auto refi loans. And, and we're, you know, kind of working with our partners and looking at other kinds of assets. So kind of maybe the far end from, with personal loans from what a mortgage is, the, the, the unsecured loan. Um, but really, I think that forced us to focus on the tech part of FinTech, right? Which is, these are loans that are, you can think of these loans as an average of $10,000 or so, an average of three or five year duration. So shorter, smaller dollar. But that really means the customer's patience for, <laughs> for process is much, much smaller, right? So, yeah. you know, we work for about 70% of the loans on our platform, maybe 75 now, are um, 
have no human intervention, not just underwriting, but income verification, ID verification, all done through automated means. And that's something that in that unsecured space you have to do uh, because yeah. the cost is too high to bring them into a branch or talk to them on the phone. Uh, so we really started there. But we think the same thing is true across uh, other assets. People want that same kind of seamless experience. And so we're always looking at how do we apply those technologies to other kinds of things. But So that's at the core. We, we operate in that space, and we power uh, the, the product for our bank and credit union partners, a little over two dozen of those partners today. Nice. So, so similar to Finlocker, you're not going to find Upstart from a consumer perspective, but you may be engaging with Upstart through, you know, a bank or credit union. Is that fair to say? It's both for us. So we've got a, it's, I, I, I brushed over a little nuance, so we'll dive into it, uh, which is the things we help our partners with the kind of software to originate loans for sure. Um, we service the loans for some of our partners that just don't have the capability, the expertise around that particular kind of loan. We've also found that a lot of our financial institution partners, particularly now, uh, Brian, where they're, they're sitting on more deposits than they're used to, maybe demand for traditional types of loans that have usually filled their balance sheets is lower uh, due to the pandemic. Um, and so we also have a pretty at-scale marketing uh, program for consumers, and then we will match each consumer with one of the lenders in our network based on the uh, offer we can get them. So we we don't really ever originate. We don't really hold on our balance sheet. We're not that kind of lender or uh, that kind of, of, of a company, but we do do some consumer marketing pretty at scale that, that helps our, our financial institution partners make sure they have enough demand. What, you, what I have in here is I want to put X million on my balance sheet, and then I, I don't have demand for X million, but I want the diversification from an income source, from a balance sheet point of view. So we'll help them acquire those consumers through upstart branded marketing programs. So you will want to in that space as well. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's cool. And now that I think about it, I, I you know I think two or three weeks ago is when I first started kind of seeing you you on LinkedIn. And I think you had even a, a friend or some kind of uh, mutual uh, acquaintance on uh, one of your podcasts. Is, is how I can't remember who it was now, <laughs> um, but I've been paying attention, and, and it seems like uh, well, first of all. Because I was paying attention on this thing, this thing's paying attention to what I pay attention to. Yeah, so they, all of a sudden, uh, they do that. I'm th seeing upstart everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we will follow you around a little bit, uh, and we are. Yeah. You know, we, we send out a couple million pieces of mail a month, and we're on some streaming TV services. For, so it's uh, it's not impossible that you've run across us. But I'm I'm glad the content yeah. is uh, is finding you on LinkedIn. And as you said, I, I do sure. have a podcast that we do that's targeted bankers. So we're speaking a lot of our messaging is towards financial institutions who are, are really ultimately the partners, the lenders in our programs, and I'm uh, pretty critical to how we go to market. Do you, uh, this is more curiosity than anything, do, is there a certain segment of those community banks or credit unions that makes the most sense for you, you know, um, smaller, bigger, medium size, or? I, I'd say we, you know, we kind of started with the belief that, hey, we need to be in certain categories, and, and we found success across the spectrum. I will say when you get much under maybe a half billion in assets, you know, just, the effort to, and this is one of the things that I think about for fintechs, is a lot of financial institutions need to figure out how to partner with with fintechs, and the, the muscle isn't that strong. And so the amount of effort that goes into getting a partnership over the line is non-trivial. Uh, and, yeah. and there you just got to go, hey, are we going to do enough business together for it to make sense for you to go through that effort, for me to go through that effort? And I think for the really small institutions, that's not true. Um, but we've seen a pretty broad diversity of interest. And I'd say that the bigger qualifier versus size or kind of institutions like how interested are you in really investing in consumer lending because you see the community banks that they want to have mortgages and commercial real estate and they're they don't want to have more risky kind yeah. of assets and 
then you find others that really do. I think credit unions are more common than banks to have a real interest in the consumer lending category, but that's really where we find a bank or a credit union that has that interest. That's what really probably tees them up to be a good partner with us. So I know um, you've, you've thrown around this term consumer and customer a couple times already mm-hmm. as we've been talking. And then this morning uh, I, I, I saw some of your content and you were talking about what makes a consumer a customer. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought that was a uh, very interesting question. And, I'd love to just kind of pick at that a little bit. Well, I've got to be careful because I just finished my compliance training, and there's, like, legal definitions for both consumer yeah. and customer that's interacted with your institution. Um, but, you know, when I talk to financial institutions, what I typically hear is, you know, that a customer is someone who's got a checking, their primary checking account with me. That's a customer, right? And you see so many incentive programs, often misguided, I think, trying to achieve that relationship. Like, you get a mortgage. It's like, well, we'll give you 25 bips off if you have a checking account. So you're like, yeah. oh, okay, and you open the account, you put the required $50 in, you probably pull it out a month later, and you don't really move your account. But it, I think it stems from this belief that um, having a checking account equals having a, a more deep relationship. Uh, and I think there's, I, I think my perspective is that's not really true anymore, um, but that having that bank account, it does give you unprecedented insight into that, that customer's needs their creditworthiness, right? So you should be able to serve them more effectively. But I think the idea that because you have my checking account, you will get my next product is not true, right? And, right. and I know like I, I have loans with a number of institutions, right? And I, I'm looking for the best rate, easiest process. So, you know, I, the thing I said, I don't know if I laid this out in my video this morning. I, I sometimes forget what I say. But um, <laughs> I think you ultimately have to be able to deliver to a customer one of three things, ideally two or or three of these things uh, in order to earn uh, repeat business, right? To earn loyalty. And in my mind, those three things are, I should, I got to be able to offer them a better rate than my competitors, right? And again, if you have access to their checking account information, you have much more visibility into their spending patterns, their debt. Like you should understand their credit worthiness better and therefore be able to offer most of those consumers better pricing than a bank credit union they never worked with. Uh, secondly to me is, can you offer a simpler experience, right? And this one gets really easy, right? Like you shouldn't have to ask with their name and address, right? Because you already know right. you shouldn't have to ask where they want the money to go. You shouldn't have to ask to verify their income, for instance, because if, they're, if their direct deposits are coming into your checking account, you should know all that. Now, whether or not financial institutions take advantage of that knowledge to provide a better experience, that, that I think is, is, a big, is, is not as common as it should be. But um, to me, like, if you have the checking account, you should be able to make the process simpler because you know these things. Yeah. And then the third thing to me is um, maybe this is a little bit of a bias because our loans are – the personal loans are often credit card consolidation, like refinancing loans. And I think you just ought to be able to offer better advice, offer insight and say, hey, Brian, you're paying too much on your car loan. You're paying too much on your mortgage. You've got a mortgage but no HELOC. Let me help you with some liquidity options with the HELOC. You should – be offering advice and proactively suggesting services that are valuable to the customer. And I think having that primary relationship gives you an advantage in offering those. But if you're not leveraging it to offer one, two, or three of those things, a better rate, a better process, better advice, then you're probably not going to have earned the right, despite having the checking account, to get whatever that next product is. So I, in my mind, that's to, to, to cross that bridge is really about do they turn to me for my next product. And in my mind, you yeah. have to earn that by have, having more than my direct deposit. You got to leverage that direct deposit to make my experience for the next product better. 
I love that. And yeah, there's, there's uh, in, in the mortgage space, not quite the same because, you know, your mortgage is not a necessarily a transactional uh, mm-hmm. you know, financial instrument. It's kind of one and done and then you're, you know, dropping your payments on it. But yeah, yeah. to your point around the value of data and information, there is no, there is no financial transaction that a consumer goes into where you give up more information in order to get that transaction, to get that mortgage, right? That's right. And and uh, it is amazing still how uh, a consumer who's with a, an institution and actually they're the servicer mm-hmm. and then they're going to refinance with that same institution, how often they're literally starting from scratch where they're asking the basics, what's your name? It, it <laughs> happened to All me. the stuff that's... I mean, I, I had this exact experience, Brian, and it was quite amusing to me. I actually got... A mortgage through not my primary bank and and my bank called me and said hey we think we can give you a better rate like good for you You're proactive right you got yeah. my three yeah and then i said great uh, i said hey, let me let me email you the application great what's your name what's your address <laughs> and i went even you know like and then we get to like can you provide three months of bank statements and i go you're the bank so you know they 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 hit on one um, but they didn't hit on the others. And, and I think that's to your point. Like there's so much information that comes. I mean, the number of documents I was asked to provide for that was, was crazy. And then right. the other point I'd say is like, and then I, I kind of said, well, should I get a HELOC while I'm doing this? Just, they're like, oh, I guess so. And I was like, well, hey, you probably should have recommended it. And they sent me a form and it said, you want know to set right after I close my words? What's your name? Yeah, start again. Sorry. Yeah. I just provided everything <laughs> you're going to want. Like you should have just said, you know, it's like it's like a burger and fries. Would you like fries with that? Yeah, and then yeah. you don't like hand me your credit card again for the fries. Like you know, it just should have been easy. And so that's where I think there's a huge opportunity because um, those institutions have that information. They have those documents. They could have easily gotten me a personal line of credit, a home equity line of credit, um, right? And 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 then I would have been leveraging those products. And instead, I went, if it's gonna, if I'm gonna have to start from scratch, let me yeah. go check what I can get from somewhere else. Because why would I? stick to just you guys if it's going to be just as hard as somebody who doesn't know me. And I think that's the the thing is if you don't move to that second stage of how am I leveraging the information I have to improve right. my customer's experience, and you know, then you haven't earned my loyalty, right? You got to, it has to be earned uh, by providing yeah. value and you haven't, you haven't done that. No, it's, uh, it's so true. And, and, you know, the downstream impact of whoever that institution was is that you're likely not going to re- recommend any of your friends or family to go to them. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, no. And when I got to figure out where I want to open up an investment account, like, you know, they're not, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't scratch them off the list, but you know, they're next, they're, they're on the list next to a bunch of other people. When I go to Google and say, or go to credit karma or go to, you know, Wealthfront or Betterment does great consumer advertising. And, and maybe my, my, my investment retirement account ends up there. And I, uh, you know, I think, there's such value in having that holistic view for the consumer too, to have a single place to yeah. go. But in today's um, experience, like I don't know how many apps I have on my phone, but it's not a small number and adding one more. Right. Well, don't you want one app? I'm, well, I mean, you know, two phone apps to check my balance in two places, not that big of a deal. Right. So yeah. the barrier to me to having multiple relationships is a lot smaller than it was when I had to walk into a branch to do something. Oh, I'm sure. 15 miles away. And I don't know those people. Now it's pretty low, so you you know that's an asset, but you've got to be leveraging it. And I think people are, you know, if you don't, then it's not like you lose the business, but you don't get the, you know, you don't necessarily get it either, right? Um, right. And, and people are very willing to go look and check rates. I mean, the mortgage industry knows this better than most. With lending trees been out there forever, and like 
just because I'm your bank, I'm, I'm still going and going, you know, what's the competitive environment? Where can I get a better deal? And most of us right. are willing to take the pain of another app or another relationship today to get that better product or better experience if it's available somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, we see that in uh, in the mortgage space specifically. That there there was a study by um, Black Knight mm-hmm. that talked about retention, customer retention, specifically in mortgage, mm-hmm. and it's sub twenty percent. So only one in five of of, a, of the customers that I would have written a loan for last year or two years ago came back to me if they were interested in a refinance. Oh, Less than one in five. It's crazy. Interesting. Well, and I think that's an interesting, it's a very interesting point you make because we're in the in the refinance game a little bit, not mortgages, but credit cards. And some of the, the financial institutions that offer credit cards are nervous about offering a refi product because they're like, yeah. I'm the one being refinanced. Do I want to do that? Yeah. And of course, my ultimate answer is like, if you don't, someone will. Like if that consumer is now has earned a better rate through whatever reasons, either their credit score has gotten better, they've gotten a promotion or raise, they've got a lower debt to income ratio and their income's higher. You as a financial institution with a relationship might know that. If you've got the checking account, you might see an increase in the direct deposit and go, hey, Brian, Brian got a raise. Um, yeah. And if you don't take advantage of that to offer a better rate to Brian, like somebody else probably, I think it's a really interesting part where most institutions are nervous about refinancing their own portfolio. And yet the, the, the reality is you're, you're not only losing that loan in some instances, but you're losing relationship because yeah. refinance is an amazingly um, strong product from a customer trust point of view. Like when I call you and go, hey, Brian, you're paying too much. I'm going to reduce your expense. I'm going to I'm going to keep you in your house. I'm going to keep you in your car, but I'm going to cut your monthly payments. Like I yeah. I get a lot of trust and loyalty out of that product. Um, and you know if you're the one being refinanced, you look like the one who was charging too much. So it, yeah. it, it's this interesting balance that I think is is really um, in the refinance space. It's really curious. It doesn't shock me that you would see a lot of them coming out because I, I imagine it's hard as the guy to go. Yeah, Brian, you're you're paying me. You know, X a month, please pay me 10% less moving forward yeah. for the same loan I wrote five years ago. Like, do I want to do that? But the reality is consumers can find that opportunity elsewhere. And they're, they're looking. Yeah, and you, and you said it. If, if you aren't doing that as the servicer, then somebody else is. And the, and the numbers show that, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's costly either way. It, you know, there's an expense to having an asset runoff, you know, early. Mm-hmm. But if you're not replacing it, with a like asset or in the best case scenario, the same consumer, then, yeah, then yeah. You're, you're, you, it costs you a lot more to go go get that new customer than it is to retain the customer you already have. Easiest customer to serve is the one you already got. Everybody else is right. more, more expensive to acquire. Well, I love it. We, we covered a ton of ground in a, in a relatively short period of time. And um, it's, it's, what's cool is, you know, you're not in the mortgage space, but there's so many parallels to what, what people in the mortgage industry are dealing with and how they're viewing uh, the relationship with a customer and, and how they're thinking about data and what, what you can do with that data to, to, to in, improve the customer experience, um, but also as, a, as an institution to potentially lower your cost to produce. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's just fascinating to see kind of the parallels across the, the different parts of the financial industries. Yeah, the industry is, is not that different. I mean, I think the the big thing that I think puts the mortgage space in a different area that I would be very careful to watch how it could change because it could be a step function change is the the GSEs, uh, which I think yeah. because they dictate so much of policy and practice and data collection to complete the file, 
Um, but if those policies change, like I said, we at Upstart, our, our lenders for unsecured can do 70, 75% loans with no manual documentation, just automated checks and, and, and back connections. Yeah. And like, I know you can't do that in mortgages, at least not qualifying mortgages today, because like, you know, you won't have a complete file from a GSE's point of view. But if those policies change, the when we went, just this, this will be an interesting stat for your listeners. When, when for Upstart's lenders, when they can go from upload one document to this is a fully automated, no documentation loan, you between two and three X your pull through. Right, yeah. that's the increase. Like, that's a tremendous improvement in the business. And so, of course, then we went, hey, if that's true, let's go see how how widely yeah. available we can make that experience without increasing risk. I think there's a lot of room there to improve the process on the mortgage side that's held back by policies that are, you know, kind of imposed from the outside. But if those policies were to shift, the opportunity to make changes is going to be rapid and massive because it's just a yeah. tremendously better experience for the consumer that, that translates into conversion rates, originations, the whole thing. Yeah, I, love, I think you hit on this when you talked about your own experience in this refinance. If, 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 you, if you had the ability to do everything in the app, let's say, or online, mm -hmm. and, and didn't have to go get anything external, you're going to stay in that experience as long as the experience keeps you in the experience. Right. But as soon as it pushes you out to go do something else, that, that opens up the opportunity. Like people... People don't. They don't come back. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Probably a little bit less true in a mortgage because, like, I still want to buy the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. More yeah. true in a refi, yeah. right? Where you go, well, I mean, how much was I really going to save? I was, you know, like, there's a there's a friction there. And um, yeah. Uh, but it's you know when I saw when we saw the two to three x, I, I mean, that's a a kind of a ten percent improvement. It's like a you know two hundred and fifty percent. Yeah. Like that's a that's crazy change. And so I think it just it just tells you how. We always say this, the good borrowers are not just rate sensitive, they're effort sensitive. And right. it, it, it helps you realize how effort sensitive um, good customers can be and how much benefit you can accrue if you can reduce the effort they're required to go through to, to get your products or, or use your products. And so I think that's you know, the lesson we took away and have really been applying that to every aspect of our business. How do we reduce the friction? Because sometimes it's just as valuable as reducing the risk, reducing the rate. Um, sure. It's more. Well, this has been awesome, Jeff. Thank you for uh, thanks for coming on, man. This is uh, I'm sure uh, people are going to want to understand more about what Upstart's up to. We're going to when we drop this and post this, we'll make sure to link to uh, to your all's uh, your website and your your page on LinkedIn. If you're not following Jeff on LinkedIn, you need to follow him. He's got great content. Uh, like I said, just maybe not directly in our space in the mortgage space, but there's a lot of parallels there for sure. I. Appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you having me, Brian. It's a fun conversation. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We will see you next Friday for our next episode.